so as Tom said, I'm part of Grace City Church with my husband, and we have four children. And um, we've been gathering together for a couple of years now. And when we meet together, we always do something called a discovery Bible study, um, which is a tool that you can use if you Google it. It's basically a tool you can use if you want to read the Bible um, with anybody. So you can use it to read the Bible with people who don't yet know Jesus. If you don't know how to read the Bible, it's a really helpful tool to help you learn how to read the Bible. So we do that together every week because we want to keep practicing reading the Bible and learning together so we can keep looking for people who want to know about Jesus and we can help them learn about him through his word. Now, if I let you talk to each other, do you promise to come back when I call you back? Because I'm not a very good at getting, I'm not very loud, okay? So please come back, but I'm going to let you speak to one another. So the first couple of questions that uh, we always ask one another when we come together on a Sunday is can you remember and share in your own words the passage that we read together last week? And did you do anything in response to that passage? Because there's no point us just building our brains and learning about God's word if we're not doing anything in response. But there's also no guilt and shame here. You didn't know I was going to ask that question. You might not remember. It's absolutely fine, but I'm giving you a couple of minutes to talk to your neighbors. The questions should come up on the screen. Can you remember and share in your own words what you heard last week, and did you do anything in response? Okay, time to come back. But don't worry, you will get to talk to each other later as well, because I think you've all got some great neighbors. So um, thanks, everyone. Thank you. Um, so this morning, we are learning about generosity, um, how we can give counterculturally, and how giving changes our hearts. And I was really excited when Matt sent me through the passage um, that I'm speaking from today. Um, but it also is not the kind of passage that you get excited about preaching from when you really start to think, am I living this? Does, this, does my life look like this? So be assured that any challenges I bring to you today are challenges that God has been speaking to me. We're going to jump around a little bit. So if you have a Bible on your phone or in your hands, turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be looking at the first few verses then we're skipping a chunk, and we're moving on to, so we're doing 1 to 4, and then 19 to 24 from Matthew 6. And it will be on the screen as well, so don't worry if you don't have a Bible with you. I'm going to keep coming back to this, so if you do have it in the Bible, just keep it open, because we'll keep popping back to look at these verses as we go. So Jesus is talking to quite a crowd of people, and this is what he says. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And then we skip on to verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. 
If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Boom. <laughs> so the title of my message today is about how giving and generosity changes our hearts. But really, the message that I want to sink deeply into your hearts, the message I want you to leave the room with, is how receiving from God changes our hearts. Because that is where it all begins. And when we looked at verses 1 to 4, Jesus is speaking about not practicing our righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. As you look at those passages, what does Jesus call God in that passage? What's the name he uses? Father. Yeah, he calls God his Father. And he uses that name twice, just in these four verses. Now, in the Old Testament, the name Father was used to describe God just 14 times in the whole of the Old Testament. So that's the Jewish people and how they related to God. They didn't really speak about him as their father. But Jesus, in this sermon alone, uses the name Father 17 times when he's speaking about God. This was a radical shift in perspective that is hard for us to really understand now because we hear about Father God all the time. But in the Old Testament, for the Jewish people, God was seen as the father of a people, the father of a nation. But Jesus shows us that God wants this intimate, personal relationship with each of us. He's calling us to be his children. And this was actually outrageous. This intimate way that Jesus spoke about God, speaking about him as Abba, was enough to make people want to kill him. And we're told that in John 5, verse 18, the Jewish leaders were all the more eager to kill him because in addition to disobeying their Sabbath laws, he'd spoken of God as his father, thereby making himself equal with God. So in order for us to claim that God is our father, in some way, we're saying we're equal with God, which I don't know about any of you here, that feels pretty outrageous, doesn't it, to claim that place. I am equal with Jesus. I am equal with God. But we are a part of his family, and that's exactly who he says we are. Because God has clearly shown the Jewish people all through the years how to live for him, how to be his nation, but they kept disobeying him and going their own way, and we are no different, are we? We know the things that we can do to please God, but we constantly turn our backs on him and do whatever we want to do. And when we just look at our world right now, do we see any sin? Do we see any selfishness? Do we see people living for themselves and their own interests? Do we live like that? Yes, all the time. And how is that working out for us? What does it feel like to live in our world right now? It's a broken place. Are we happy? And God could so easily just turn around and say, yep, I told you so. I've shown you how to live. You've chosen not to follow me. I'm leaving you to your own devices. But he doesn't. Instead of giving up on people and leaving us to just get more and more broken and miserable, he gave us his most precious gift. He sent his son, Jesus, into our world. Firstly, to tell us, God is your father. He loves you. He wants you to be in his family. And then Jesus made the way for that to happen by going to the cross, by giving up his life for us. 
He's taken the punishment for all of our sin, all of our going our own way, all of our selfishness where we just want to do our own thing. And as soon as we choose to confess that to God and say, God, I need you. I don't want to live my way anymore. Everything's going wrong. As soon as we accept his forgiveness and his sacrifice for us, we enter into a new unbroken relationship with God as his children. Sorry. It's amazing. <laughs> Jesus laid down his life to welcome us into family with him. And this was his plan with the Father all along. Our Father God is the most generous being in existence. He didn't get to a point where he thought, oh no, I'm going to have to send Jesus now. He always knew, he always knew he was going to give his most precious gift for us so that we could be his children. So when we give to one another, when we give to God, when we give out of our resources. We're not giving in order to earn God's love, to earn his kindness. It's a response to his generosity to all that he has given to us. And um, I don't know if anybody's heard of Heidi Baker. She lives in Africa, and she's an incredible speaker, and she's a very prophetic woman. And I never forget hearing her talk about the children who she's adopted into her family. They come from a background of trauma and neglect. And she says that when she welcomes them into her home, she shows them the kitchen, she shows them the fridge. She says, just help yourself to anything you want, anytime. You're in our family now. This is all yours. But it's really hard for these children to receive and accept the good things that are being given to them. They still want to live in fear and in trauma and neglect because they don't know how to receive the love that's being offered. And she said her heart rejoices on the day that one of her children opens the fridge takes out a can of drink and drinks it. Suddenly she sees, they know, they know they're in my family. And we've each been adopted into our father's family, but sometimes I think we just don't know how to live as his children. We have to receive all the good things that he's giving to us. And before we can give out to anybody else, we have to receive the generosity of our father God. We live like orphans when we don't ask for and receive what we need from our Father. And this might be physical needs like money or healing. It might be spiritual needs. Perhaps you need to feel hope or valued or worthwhile. So just take a moment on this one. I'm just going to ask you just to reflect quietly to yourself for a moment and ask your Father God, what does he have for you to receive this week? What do you need to ask him for right now? Thank you, Father, you have so much for us. Open our eyes to see what you're offering us today. Help us to receive the gift of salvation. Help us to receive Jesus, who you so generously gave us into our hearts and lives. Amen. So going back to these scriptures, when we looked at verses 1 to 4, it's a challenging one, isn't it? It's criticizing people who boast about what they give. It's calling them hypocrites. It's, these verses are showing us that Jesus, following Jesus is not about being in a religion. It's not about following rules, doing certain things for everyone to see, living this sort of pomp and ceremony. That's not what living for Jesus is about. As his children, we're called into intimate relationship with God. We live our lives for the audience of one. His eyes are on us, and that's the only thing that matters, and that's my next point, is that we give out of relationship with our Father. 
Because when we give away, we always receive so much more from our Heavenly Father. If we give to impress others, then we've already got the reward, their attention, their kind of affirmation. That's all the reward we'll get. But with God, it's impossible to outgive him in the secret places, the places that only he sees. And we can't know that until we try. After Jesus rose from the dead and went up to heaven, he promised that we would receive a helper. And this helper is called the Holy Spirit. When we give our lives to God, he sends this spirit who's like a counselor to live in us and with us, to teach us and help us to live in relationship with God. So because Jesus clearly tells us here that we give for God and in relationship with God, you don't need to sit here feeling guilty about how much you give, whether it's a lot or a little. You don't need to sit here thinking, well, I think maybe I should give more. You just need to talk to God and ask him. You just need to say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to give? Not in comparison to anybody else around you. What is he asking you to give? Because he will lead you and guide you and speak to you whenever you ask. And Chris and I had this incredible experience where we were reading scripture one day about how a man called Joseph gives up his tomb for Jesus to be buried in. And we just thought it was amazing. It really struck us. We were reading with our church family, and what struck us was that this man's tomb was his life savings. It was like his final investment. When I die, I'm going in this beautiful tomb, and that's where I'll be laid to rest. He probably put a lot of money into it. And he gave it up for Jesus, not knowing that Jesus only needed to borrow it for three days, <laughs> and that he'd get it back kind of fairly used, almost good as new. He thought he was giving it up good. He thought that Jesus had died and needed somewhere for his body to go. And Chris and I felt so challenged by this that we thought, what are we saving up for the future? What do we have that we've sort of put aside that we need to give to Jesus? So we prayed, we had some savings, and we felt like God said, those savings are mine. I want those savings. So we gave them. We knew exactly. He told us where to give them. We gave them away. But you'll never guess what happened. Three days later, I got a phone call from somebody who wanted to give us a gift and it was exactly the amount of money that we had given up for Jesus. And only the Holy Spirit can do that. And I don't tell you that story to boast about our giving. I tell you that story to demonstrate. It has to be God speaking. And when it's God speaking, when he leads you, he will always give you more than what you've given up. So what does he want you to give away this week? Just ask him. There's no pressure. It's for his eyes only. It might not be money. It might be your time. It might be a meal. It might be a possession. Just ask him prayerfully and commit in your heart to doing that this week. So we've got, I'm going to have a drink while you ponder that thought. <laughs> we've got a bit of a gap now. Jesus has been speaking about prayer and about fasting. And then from that place, he moves on to speak to his followers about treasures in heaven. Um, so we're going to jump forward again to verses 19 to 24. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I'm going to jump to verses 22 to 23, where he says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? 
Now, initially, as we read this, these two little verses here feel like a slightly strange fit, don't they? You've got this bit about the kingdom, this bit about blindness, and then another bit more about the kingdom. So I went away, and I consulted with some different preachers and different commentaries, and um, I heard Tim Keller speaking about this, and I found his illustration really helpful. He said, you know, imagine a blind person in a really bright room. No light can get into their body, and it's not about turning more and more lights on in the room. The fault is with their eyes, and the darkness will be in their body. And Jesus is saying here um, that we don't see greed and materialism, that we can be blind to these things in our lives. And Tim Keller went on to say that in all his years as a pastor, he'd had people come into him to confess every single sin except the sins of greed or materialism. We all know if we've murdered somebody, don't we? We know if we've committed adultery. We know when we've lied. But how do we know if we're greedy? How do we know if we're materialistic? There's always somebody else around us who we can think, well, I'm not as bad as them. Um, So he gave me some helpful signs and pointers to show us how to know if we are serving money and not God. They're going to come up on the screen. Firstly, worrying about having enough. Worrying about what we have and whether we'll have enough. Comparing ourselves and what we have to others, to the people around us. Our self-worth being linked to our career or what we look like or what we're spending or what we're doing. Feeling inferior to wealthy people. Feeling superior to wealthier people. And feeling superior to less wealthy people. If we feel like we need just that one more thing before we can give money away. I just need to finish studying. I just need to get this job. I just need to sort my house out. Then I'll start giving. Being unable, like we said just now, to receive the good things from God. Having that orphan mentality where we don't receive from God. That actually makes us really greedy. It makes us hoard what we have because we don't know what else we're going to get. So not receiving from God can make us greedy. But if it comes from God and we receive it from God, it belongs to God and we can freely give it away. And lastly, not asking for help or sharing our need with others, especially our church family. So if you don't see yourself on that list, feel free to get up and get to the front of the coffee queue. Um, (laughs) But I'm thinking that at least one of those points has made you think, ooh, it's certainly every point did for me. We are all slaves of money, and that's the key, isn't it? We don't want to be blind to that. We want to see that. So hallelujah, we can see that we are slaves to money. We are no longer blind. Now the light is coming into our bodies. How are we going to live? And Jesus gives us these keys to freedom in these verses. He says in verses 19 to 21, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And these are really familiar verses, aren't they? But what does it actually mean to store up treasures in heaven? We can't kind of see it happening, can we? Um, But, um, train of thought, there we go. The, The easy way to sort of see this in our lives and to understand how to store up treasures in heaven is just to take a moment to think, what do you treasure? What do you live for? And this is a good question I liked. What's the thing that you think 
if I just had that, I'd be okay, or everything would be all right. For me, the answer to that was about my children, about their mental health. If that was okay, then I, think, I felt like everything would be all right. That's not kingdom, is it? That's not, that's not Jesus. <laughs> that's something else that I'm treasuring, that I'm living for, that I'm thinking, if I just put all my energy into this, then everything will be okay. That's my treasure. That's the thing you would give your life for. But what was Jesus' treasure? What did Jesus give his life for? Us. Yeah. 1 Peter 2, these beautiful verses tell us, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Let's just let that sink in for a moment. We are Jesus' most treasured possession. We are his treasure, all that he lived and died for. And when we live with a kingdom perspective, like Jesus did, when we look at his life, he was focused. He knew what he was doing. He was living for God. He was giving his life for us. And when we live with that kingdom perspective, everything else fades into insignificance. How we spend our time, our money, it all reflects new priorities that we have an eternity with Jesus that's been paid for by his blood and that we want to bring as many people into as we possibly can. We give everything for what we treasure most. Jesus went to the cross to claim us as his treasured possession. And living generously will cost us. There will be a cross. We will have to go without in order to give. We will appear foolish to the world around us. There might be choices we make, how we spend our money, but also it might be about where we live, where our children go to school, how we spend our time. It is costly to live for God's kingdom, but it's a cost that sets us free from greed and materialism that have kept us blinded for so long. I love this quote that you probably already know from Jim Elliot, who was martyred in the 1950s, who said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And he's speaking about God's kingdom. We can't keep anything on this earth, but we cannot lose our salvation and our relationship with Jesus. It goes with us into eternity. And even in the Christian world, there is a culture of being busy, of working our way up career and social ladders that doesn't always look too different to the rest of the world if we're honest with ourselves. We're all hustling. What would it look like if we spent more time on prayer and solitude this week? What would we have to give up? How could we give more time to sharing about the kingdom in our community? What would you have to go without in order to meet more lost people who don't know Jesus? The way that we spend our time and our money should puzzle the world around us. It should not make sense to our non-Christian friends. And if it does, we really have to ask ourselves where our priorities are lying right now. The way that the early church lived and spent their money was so remarkably countercultural that people were drawn to them. Nobody among them had any need. And perhaps you're here right now and you don't have a lot to live on. Perhaps 
you're really struggling. You, how could you share those needs with your church family? How can you open up and let them meet some of those needs so that you can receive God's generosity to you? Chris and I have had to learn this lesson. How do we express our needs to our church family when things aren't going well? How do we say, we really need help right now? But as we've done so, we've just been overwhelmed with the kindness and generosity of our church family and our Father God towards us. The enemy loves it when we hoard our wealth and our worries and live isolated, separate lives. When we're busy working our way up career ladders and into social circles. When we get stressed and when we hide our greed or hide our need from our brothers and sisters in Christ, the enemy is having a field day. But when money no longer has power over us and we live radically generous lives towards our Father God, towards our church family, towards our neighbors, towards our cities, towards the world, that's when the revolution really begins and we are free from materialism, from the God of mammon, and we, people can look at us and say, there's something really different about them. Yes, Lord, come and do that in our hearts, Lord. Come and fix our eyes on you, God. Come and release us from greed and materialism. Set us free to live for you and your kingdom and nothing else, Lord. So the final two questions that we love to ask from our Discovery Bible study, and Chris told me this is the best bit of my preach, and I didn't even write it, so, you know, enjoy this. <laughs> what will you do in response to this passage today? What will you do in response to God's word to you today? And who will you share what you've learned with? Who will you talk to about this? Who will you share this with?